Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, Bud, just to let our listeners know, I am down in Tallahassee for the week uh, doing some things before the season starts off with the battles end. And um, yeah, just the sound quality may not be what you have uh, hopefully come accustomed to from the Nolcast uh, over the years, but we'll make our best here tonight. What may be our last podcast before we jump into our position preview series, obviously, uh, if there's any significant news out there that would warrant a a standalone podcast of its own, we would adjust accordingly. But uh, yeah, man, a lot of things going on since we last talked. Uh, A lot of things, (laughs) a lot of a lot of conversations have transpired and we'll see what they uh, what they ultimately mean. But uh, look forward to tonight's show. Absolutely. Good to be back with you, of course. Great job with the battles. And I know you're, you've been busy as heck down there and a lot of our listeners supporting as well. Um, shouts to Tarpon Sellers as well, of course, as we start the episode. Uh, if you recall, last episode, we took a question from some Gator fans, basically. Uh, we discussed it. They were kind of comparing Mike Norvell to Dan Mullen. And I said, hey, like I, I, I get it if you're an outsider right? Because Norvell's full season recruiting classes for the most part had been like not national championship quality to be sure. Uh, Now that's of course, ignoring the really nice work that they have done using the transfer portal, uh, something that I think they had an advantage with kind of a market inefficiency to exploit there uh, for a little bit at least. And now they've certainly earned a reputation as being a a team that scouts the portal well. Uh, But the Mullen comparisons now look really stupid uh, because Florida State's recruiting is kind of on fire. Uh, yeah. They, yeah. So I'll let you go into the specifics of it, but I have oh. heard there's been positive news on that subject matter in the in the recent past. Absolutely. You have. Um, yeah, it, it would have been hard to miss. Uh, like, you, you know, you get a big commitment when, I mean, the, like that still is one of the most searched terms in the college football internet space for that day. That term being, KJ Bolden, despite the fact the rest of the sport is literally imploding upon itself uh, with conference realignment. So, yeah, um, big time get for Florida State, a player that really like, I don't know, two months ago, I really didn't give FSU much of a shot to get because that has not been the type of player that they have competed for and won recently. Right. I mean, like I would say one of the highest guys recently that the big time schools and I think Florida State is well on its way back to being a big-time school. Uh, but they had not really competed in that space and won a whole lot of those uh, in recent memory. And now, uh, within the last couple of weeks, getting your your excellent corner being out, Dion, and getting K.J. Bolden, uh, a guy who plays football in the state of Georgia, plays the position that Kirby Smart played and uh, also was heavily pursued by Auburn, by Ohio State, and uh, his relationships with Florida State Certainly won out. Uh, no, he cited you know uh, Mike Norvell, cited defensive bass coach Pat Sertan, a number of other staff members as well. And uh, I mean, look, if you are a Florida State fan, it is definitely important for you uh, to see progression on the recruiting trail. Like this is the type of player that if he hits, he doesn't hit the portal for the most part, right? For, for every Jermaine Johnson who was just on such a loaded defense, like maybe the most loaded defense of all time, he hits the portal. There are guys like this who who don't hit the portal, right? Because they're starting 
on that most loaded defense. And you'd rather get those guys out of high school. You'd rather get those guys into your program, develop them in your image, in your culture, in your strength program, in your defense. That's what they did here with KJ Bolden, number five current class in the 24-7 sports composite. And yeah, I was looking at this thing and I, I'm very um I'm I'm pretty bullish on like the top five or six guys they got in this class. You know, I I do like the top end player. KJ Bolden, obviously at the top. Landon Thomas, another Georgia guy, really nice tight end, somebody who I do think could play and contribute early for you. Luke Kermanhoke, who I think is, I think my thoughts on him, having saw him uh, at the Elite 11 and in person a couple of other times, pretty well documented. Charles Lester, big-time cornerback. Cam Davis, one of the better running backs in the country. Uh, and then you go out to California. If you look at the, the YouTube short section of NOLCast, I literally did one saying you're going to have to cast a nationwide debt for offensive tackles because the O-tackle crop in the state of Florida this year uh, is, is that poor. And then some useful pieces sort of down ballot as well uh, for this class. And, and we'll see how this class shapes up and and uh, and, and what kind of what it'll, uh, you know, how it will look down the side. Uh, uh, you know, Cato says Ingram's feet must be exhausted from standing on so much business lately. Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> no doubt about it, man. Uh, my colleague Dennis Dodd is taking some shots. Uh, buddy Sean Farrell says, Battles in golf tournament. Did that thing sell out, by the way? I'm curious. It's, uh, it's doing well. I don't think it's sold out. Uh, if you have any interest in it, we uh, certainly love to have you join us. It's the um, it's Saturday morning before the LSU game, which is a reminder is on a Sunday. Uh, but, yeah, we'll have some golf out there. I haven't had a chance to talk to you. I don't know if you plan on participating in it, bud, but we would love to have you out there. And yeah, Sean Farrell's an old uh, – Mutual friend of ours, uh, and I look forward to seeing Sean and many other Nolcast listeners out there. Uh, I'll put uh, I'll put a link into it in the in the show notes, or feel free to hit me up on social media or anything else if you have an interest. So, no doubt about it. Um, all right, so let me see any other comments that we need to go over right now. Uh, a couple people are discussing how they got their battles in membership card, which uh, good on you getting those sent out, to, dude. Grams. Like dropship game has improved dramatically. Like the, the, the t-shirts now go out routinely. It is it is good, dude. You you uh you deserve a lot of credit. I've had some practice. Also have some other people helping me, which I can help. There we go. Um, all right. So uh Aaron Rowe says Knowles are rolling on the trail, reminds him of the 90s. Let's go. The the chat is definitely, definitely popping tonight. Now, let's take a look at this. Something that I know our sponsors, Chad and Shannon, of the legendary home loan team, 844 FSU Loan, are like very much in on. And uh, I, they're not like Nolan on, but they're really like into figuring out why, why Daryl Jackson didn't get the waiver. And <clears throat> look, um, it definitely sucks, in my opinion, that he didn't get the waiver. I, I still like a lot of the players you have at defensive tackle. I still think you're a better defensive tackle group, even without Daryl Jackson, than you were last year. And obviously, like, you know who Daryl Jackson's not playing for this year? Miami. So, yeah. Could he have been your bestie tackle this year? Yes. I don't think that they're going to get him eligible based on the vibes 
that, that, that I'm picking up. And I know some people in the chat want FSU to sue. And I'm just not sure that's like the most ideal, you know, yeah. plaintiffs. Uh, I was at practice today. I was away from the media scrum when Mike initially announced that. So I, I don't know exactly what he said. My understanding is that he basically said um, there's not a whole lot else out there. That this has run its course. I don't think they're going to do anything. Um, suing the NCA sounds a lot cooler than actually doing it, uh, from what I understand. Um, I think this is, has run its course. I'll also say, and I don't know this for sure, as this is a, you know, the NCA does not, to my knowledge, give explanation. I don't know that there are any outside factors here that encourage this. This has been a course shift from the NCA. Uh, I don't know, like, say, you know, obviously um, there were things that transpired after Daryl got here that you know, potentially if someone was reviewing a case could have been negative for him. But whereas last year the NCA said yes to almost all these things, they've said no to almost all of them this year. So they, they have changed course. I don't think that there's um, – I think this is much more a ruling on the macro than it is necessarily anything that Daryl did, didn't do, whatever else. They've just pivoted and uh, are being a lot more um, choosing in in this type of waiver. Uh, so just have to see, and you guys can take that information and and make of it what you will. I, I would agree. Um, I do think it sucks that they put the rule out after the transfer window opened. Right? Sucks Clearly. is a word. Preposterous yeah. is another one. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. a, it's kind of ex post facto, right? So, like to me, that if you were going to go after him for that, uh, but still, I don't know if I like the chances given some of the social media stuff. Which, like, just I mean, you can find it on Twitter. Like Miami fans have screenshots of it. So, you know, I, I don't really like their chances. Um, the Devontae Walker kid at North Carolina, who is expected to be their number one receiver, and killed it for him in spring also got denied. Now, North Carolina is apparently very confident that his will get fixed eventually. Uh, but the difference there is that he started at an FCS program and transferred to Kent State when the FCS program season got canceled. Daryl Jackson mm -hmm. came from Maryland, and Maryland season did not get canceled, right? They mm -hmm. just transferred to Miami and then transferred home, uh, or you know, home-ish, to be with his mom. Which, again... We have conferences collapsing because teams are transferring. Okay, right. We, like, yeah. we should allow freedom of movement for these kids. I, in, in my opinion, if you want to stop it, put them on literal employment contracts, which eventually we probably will have, and then the transfer portal will go away. Uh, I, I don't know this to be the case, but I have heard some talk that Daryl would potentially be eligible for playoffs or bowl games which would be a, a hell of a carrot out there. Because the um, semester is over with? Yes. Or because it's yes. not a NCAA thing? Yeah, because the semester is over. Okay. With. Basically, yeah. what it sounds like is he's been, you know, I don't know, does the NCAA suspend on a semester-by-semester -semester basis? Well, they did the basketball player just a second ago. So, yeah, they do. Uh, wait uh, a second. Hold on. Didn't they do that for a linebacker that we covered one time who had an <coughs> ankle? That, right. Uh, was that – wasn't Matthew Thomas a, a semester? A semester and did I wasn't Baba a semester or was it a set number of games? I think the, so. the basketball player, uh, Chad, yeah. if you guys are familiar with that, I'm, I'd be interested, but yeah, no, I, I again, I'm not 
we aren't reporting that. I don't know that to be the case, but I have I have heard that in the, um, you know, I've heard that in the echo chamber uh, that is Florida State football. So, I mean, that would that would be big time, assuming that he keeps his head in the game and you know practices hard, stays in shape. I, yeah, I, I thought if I recalled with Thomas, uh, he was it was what the first six games of the 2014 season. Yeah, I thought so. I, I, yeah, like there are certain. Baba looks certain like points. it was a number of games, not a semester, uh, according to Chen. So, gotcha. just okay. something to keep in mind. There, there are people who uh, who work this beat and who have the opportunity to follow up on that, and we'll get some clarity. But it is something that I've heard. So that that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. So obviously, if if you get a healthy Fabo, uh, he helps to make up for the loss of Daryl for sure. Uh, Braden Fisk, if you've watched any of the practice videos, if you go to practice, you see him. He moves really well. You know, Almost the first player off the line. Uh, it, like, it, yeah, very, very impressive, uh, amongst other things. But there's a level of, of quick twitch there that I would – that is surprising. I mean, when you when you get even with the, with the ball and you're looking at both sides of the line of scrimmage, Fisk is the first helmet to move almost every time. It's It's impressive. He kind of is like a pit guy in a way. Like, you know how they kind of win with, like, you know, quickness, hands, relentlessness. I, I, I'm, I, 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 I like the take for them. I, I think he can really help you this year. And, look, we don't know what Briggs is going to be because Briggs at one point was a super promising player. When Mike Norvell got here, he was definitely one of the highest upside dudes on this roster. And then – he got that cheap shot against uh, Notre Dame, wasn't it? Can't remember the team, but yeah, yeah, it, it was you know it, it was early in the year, uh, and that that really set him back. But like the guy still has some potential if he gets right, and so I, I don't I don't hate a four, assuming they're all healthy, of you know Braden, Fabo, Farmer, Briggs, with some of the young guys able to help out behind him. I do think that this hurts your ceiling as a team. Oh, Louisville was the cheap shot, not not Notre Dame. Excuse me. I, I think it hurts your ceiling a little bit, right? I mean, just physically, if you look at Jackson, that's a guy that looks like it would give a Georgia or a Michigan some problems if you mm-hmm. if you matched up against them in a playoff, or maybe an LSU or Clemson. So maybe it, it uh, maybe it, maybe it's a, a loss that if you stay relatively healthy among the other guys is only really felt in uh, in the bigger games. And maybe you can overcome it. I, I don't know. I, I, I still think this D-line is better than what, what it was last year, man. Oh, it is. It is. And it's uh, it's impressive, man. It is. Uh, Farmer is bigger and still moving well. Uh, Briggs uh, looks m- much more like the player two years ago. Um, Gilbert Edmonds has added some nice – nice mass uh, that he needed to at the defensive end position, but the interior has got, even with Jackson out, has a lot of bodies. And if, uh, if you've got Fabian and and you've got uh, some of the other names and then you're able to work in some of the Briggs is uh, AO, some of those guys, there's, there's layers uh, to this position that I, I don't think too many teams have. You just won't have that one, you know, one guy who potentially has 
exceptional, like next level talent when it clicks. Uh, Jackson's a, a little bit of a different player. So we'll see what's there and we'll see when and if his uh, first availability would be. And, and we're going to have to see how much Mike Norvell and how much Odell want to rotate these guys, right? Like you do have it. If you're as good as this staff thinks this team is, based on their public comments, like I'm not not alluding to like insider info here. If you're as good as this staff thinks this team is, you've got a lot of blowouts coming in your favor and a lot of opportunities to play a lot of guys, to to keep guys happy on the team, right? To get everybody their reps. You know, like that's that's important. Um, Chad says at least we have Jackson for next year. I I think so. Um I can't totally rule out the idea that he would just try to turn pro, right? Uh, I, I We'll have to see, I guess. Um, we will have to see. Um, I will say that, like, I was at practice yesterday. Dude, practice yesterday was one of the best practices I've seen in, in any sport, uh, just being around practice, seeing guys, level competition. A uh, little bit less so today, but – this team is freaking nuts. I will tell you. I mean, the, the transformations that have taken place uh, along the offensive line and wide receiver are as dramatic as you could see at any position group. And it is uh, it just when you see it in person, it it looks it looks different. And I, I know I'm not providing any great insight here. It is just looks different. And these dudes have put on some significant good weight. Uh, it's just a lot of reason to be optimistic and excited. I mean, look, I we got a comment from the Patreon, um, patreon.com slash nolcast if you guys are, are into that kind of thing. And I'll, I'll jump ahead here in the doc a little bit because I, 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 you brought it up. I, I kind of want to want to do it. It's like, hey, like, do you think 2022 Maryland is a good comp for this offense? And initially I was like, no. And then I thought about it more. I was like, okay, so... I mean, they have Talia Tagovailoa, who allegedly got offered one and a half million, but decided to stay at Maryland. Whether you believe that or not is is up to you. Uh, Florida State has Jordan Travis. Like both are sort of good to very good college quarterbacks who don't profile as like probably don't profile at so so far at least based on the fact they came back to school as top half of the, of, of the draft type quarterbacks. Maryland's offensive line. I think certainly ended up being better than we realized it was. And Maryland had a better offensive line last year than Florida State did, I would say. Like their tackle got drafted, what, top 100, I think. Um, I mean, they had a couple other guys who were uh, like second team, all Big Ten, I think. Let me pull it up so I'm not speaking out of my butt. But I, again, I, I still like, I think what, what that comp is missing is Maryland's receivers were really good in 2021. In 2022, they were only kind of really good in name only. Like, Rakeem Jarrett did not have a big year. He, he kind of struggled to stay healthy. Like, Dante Demas, Jacob Copeland did not have huge years. I, I think Florida State's top two receivers are just freaking problems for guys. You know? And, I mean, if you play the odds, Harris... Byers, you know, maybe Rob Scott, if everything goes right as, as as far as his, you know, his comeback, there's a pretty good chance you get like one good tackle out of that and one at least decent tackle out of that, if not better. 
And Jordan, I like him better than Talia. So you have freaks at receiver. I think you got a better back in Benson. So I, I understand the comp, which I think is getting at like maybe not a super NFL type quarterback prospect and not elite offensive line play, but good enough with some really good skill guys. Man, I I like what they got going here. I I, I think this is a I think this is like a really, really good offense. I, yep. You know, and yet if you say this kind of stuff, people are like, well, NC State last year, right? Wake. Clemson, you know, Clemson until the game was not fully garbage time, but kind of that pseudo garbage time role. I, I was like, look, I, I get it. But I think the pieces are there to be a top 10 offense in the sport. Maybe better, honestly. The pieces are absolutely there. I mean, uh, look, I, I don't just want, I'm not trying to just hype everybody, but the Benson is Benson. Uh, Benson's gone through you know, some of the physical transformation that he has that a lot of people have seen on social media and was never a small guy by any means. Uh, I truly think Rodney Hill is a, a star in waiting. And I will tell you that Toa Philly makes two or three runs each practice where you're just like, damn, dude, that is, you are a talented, talented guy, particularly in the open field. Um, so your tight ends are again another room that we can talk about and just say how is it possible to be this much better a year or two years later um kyle morlock is way ahead of schedule from where i would have thought he would be so um well spring was definitely an adjustment for him yeah it was and he adjusted (laughs) he adjusted well i mean i'm the guy is again I would not have thought that a guy from shorter college would be at this point in his development. So very, very impressive. Also a pretty significant physical transformation. Guy was never small, but he's, you know, I imagine the, the nutrition and weight room and, you know, opportunities like that at, at shorter at Florida state are about as you know, opposed as could possibly be. And he's made the most of it. So, all right. Not to skip over 23, because I'm extremely excited about 23. But if you're breaking in a new quarterback in 24, and you have Biscuit, and you have Morlock, who continue to progress in the weight room and continue to kind of grow into those big body, big frames they have, that's not a bad deal, man, to have that as kind of a, a, a safe... What, what, do we decide to go with safety net or safety blanket? I, I forgot. It was two shows ago we, oh, we were debating... Please. I got a lot of uh, you're really big moron uh, direct <laughs> messages and other things. So safety valve, security blanket. I think that's where we were trying to land. So there, there we go. So I mean, like that, and you're going to bring back a decent number of pieces on your offensive line uh, after this year as well, along with some young guys who continue to progress. So yeah, uh, I'm. I, I, I like where they're at as far as developing some of these pieces. I, uh, the chat is asking to comment on Keon Coleman. I'm all in on Keon Coleman. Dude, I think Keon Coleman be all in on Keon Coleman. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where you need to be. Again, I've said this before. I'll say it again. He's a six foot four, wildly gifted wide receiver who is so athletic. He happened to be in the eight man rotation at Michigan State in basketball. I mean, Michigan it is State, Michigan freaking State, absolutely. And, um. Look, I'm not. He, he's a 
Uh, not that I did, wouldn't think he wouldn't be a good teammate or whatever, but he's a who'd <laughs> only be here two weeks or so. He's a, or not not two. He's been here for a little bit longer, but I've gone through two weeks of like real practice. He's he's a program guy at a level that I would not have thought somebody like that would be. I mean, it's real easy for him to come in and say, "Look, this is my this is my money season. I'm gonna catch every ball I can." Um, He's more of a program guy than – look, I don't know. It's hard to say that without trying to say that hey, you thought this kid was going to be something other than he was. But he's also uh, both publicly and some of the comments that he's made in front of the media and just direct comments that I've heard him say to people either on our team or associated with it. Uh, the guy's a, a, a film junkie. I mean, the guy puts in the work uh, as far as learning – learning the position and uh, look, I, I could do 15 minutes on Keon Coleman. Okay. Keon and Johnny watching a six foot seven dude and a six foot four guy at practice is bonkers. And that's going to be not going to be a lot of fun for a lot of people. That's the NFL draft music for Keon Coleman. If you remember, I sent you a text after he had enrolled I one, of the, well. one of the Michigan State guys had, had sent me, and he's like, despite how he presents at times, Keon won't be an issue. He's a worker, and he's way more cerebral than he presents. Mm-hmm. It's like that's a good endorsement. Like because yeah. the physical stuff, I don't need an endorsement. I have I have eyes, and they 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 find and get older, but like they they still work pretty good. I, <laughs> I, I do think this is like matchup problems, and, and I really do think that. Uh, that Norvell and those guys can can take advantage of this, right? And they may have to at times. Like, you know, if 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 you don't have Daryl Jackson, like that does suck, and you may need to score forty at times. You know, I, look, Georgia needed to score what almost fifty to to beat Ohio State. You know, like like you're you're going to need to score points, and and it's going to be incumbent on this offense to not have games where they get held into the twenties, right? Like you need to be scoring thirty plus every game at least like if you get to the playoffs and i don't know like what if saban has like death star bama defense assembled again like apparently their mm-hmm. defensive line is just absolutely killing yeah. people there. i have had a conversation with somebody in the industry last night about this exact thing so yeah like jihim yeah. over there is apparently uh they've, they've cut like almost 100 pounds off him and he looks fantastic which is problematic like there's like almost nobody in college football that I think you could line up and block him one on one. So, yeah, but like on this schedule, you need to be scoring thirty plus on everybody. I I, I really think so with, with the weapons that you have if the offense stays together and, and stays healthy. And I, obviously, like Mike Norvell is a really good track record for scoring. You know, I, I, I totally agree with Chad. If I mean, if Keon is actually if he ends up being better than Johnny, you are in great shape, one hundred percent. Yeah, like there's no doubt about it because we know what Johnny Wilson is. You know, he's he's extremely good. Oh, did you see TCU's 445-pound guard? I have not seen that, no. Oh, man. No, I have not. Uh, I, I know you've been working and not just been like messing around on the internet. Uh, but yeah, they do have a 6'5", 445-pound, uh, or 455-pound, excuse me, according to the okay. chat. Uh, I, will, uh, I will go find this guy. Right. Absolutely. Um, oh, no, look. I don't want the chat to to misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying I want them to average 30 points. Florida State needs to be averaging 40 plus. What I'm saying is they need to play at a level to where they are scoring at least 30 
in every game, I think, right? Like, you probably need to score 30-plus to beat LSU, most likely. You probably need to score – if Clemson – if Garrett Riley is what I think he is, you probably need to score 30-plus to beat Clemson. I don't think you're going to hold them to the teens or, you know, low 20s. So, yeah. um, uh, Sorry, I was looking at some other questions here. I will say one more thing while I'm just speaking wildly optimistic uh, about things and how impressed I am. There, There is a – for a team that's made up of as many transfer portal guys and stuff like that, it is remarkable to see the team chemistry over three or four days. And we're not a real big, like, team chemistry togetherness podcast, blah, blah, blah. But I almost called you about this when I left practice. It's a – I don't think I should name the coach or the, the position group, but a guy turned in a – a rep today that the position group coach like didn't even say anything just looked at him with like a disdain like you can get the hell out of here type rep and uh it was awesome man a veteran player who's started for two or three years took a kid aside tried to teach him about what he did rather horribly wrong and um you see little examples of that type of stuff all the time and it is uh remarkable what what uh what's out there and even with you know let's let's acknowledge nil you know this this is that that can be a great thing that can that can be tough on chemistry depending on how it's done and um it's all it's it, it remains really impressed really impressive with the overall locker room that the staff has built and the amount of buy-in and uh what kids are willing to do to to help each other and you know, the guy that took that kid away or aside probably isn't going to lose his position or playing time to him or whatever, but they play the same position. It's a kid that's trying to trying to get snaps. So uh, with that, I'll stop the, you know, just fire hose of uh, of we're going to go 13 and 0, et cetera. But uh, it is it is very impressive to see. Marston. So uh, let me ask you this, because I, I discussed this a little bit on cover three, and this is not on the rundown, but I, I do think it's an interesting conversation to have. Do you worry about the team having expectations that are above winning the ACC? And what could happen due to those expectations? Like like you interview these guys or you watch their comments on YouTube or on, you know, Knowles 24/7 or, you know, Simmons.com or or wherever you watch your 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 player interviews. And it's really more the player interviews than, than it is the the coach interviews, obviously. They talk about making the playoff, about winning the whole thing, not winning the whole ACC, like winning a national title, which are fantastic goals to have. And I think, I mean, if you absolutely played to your ceiling at every single position, got the right breaks, I would really like to have Daryl Jackson in order to say, like, you could you know, do that type thing, right? If you go two and two, which is not unreasonable to think because you're an underdog twice in the month of September, it's It's probably the most likely outcome. Now, I don't think it's necessarily going to happen, but if you just look at like the Vegas odds, two and two is, I mean, you know, potentially the most likely outcome you have, depending. Do you worry about this team checking out? Because you're not going to go to the playoff with two losses, right? I mean, just like ACC team, we never had a two loss playoff team. I can 100% guarantee you it will not come from the ACC. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say 100%, but you're you're unlikely. 
you know, if it, well, especially uh, with the Big Ten, I mean, yeah, you know, like if they Clemson's have a very good, and you somehow play them again, and if LSU wins the SEC West, maybe that, you know that's fair. Yeah, uh, but it's it's highly unlikely. It's ninety percent, uh, undoubtedly. I I agree with you there. Do you think that they are emphasizing yes. ACC I, enough to where like they would not check out if the may, if the top remaining realistic goal is to win the ACC? It's a good question. I mean, I know like the focus is always like today's practice, tomorrow's practice, get better, make sure tonight that you can get better tomorrow. Uh, so there's always a very like seemingly narrow focus on it, but you're right. You are having guys talk about it. It's only when you're ranked uh, number eight in the coaches poll, and you're, in my opinion, you're going to probably be ranked a little bit higher in the the media poll. Um, people start to have their expectations. I, I yes, the answer to your question is yes. I do worry about that. Um, but you know, this team has been off to other challenging seasons, other starts, as people in the chat have pointed out, but. You know, they didn't have uh, guys that were, you know, purely coming, you know, just in their final year and stuff like that. As much as yeah. you leaned on the portal, uh, it does probably change things a little bit. Having said that, I think they've done a good job in who they've added. I've been impressed by that. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, – I mean, with, with expectations and expectations that can be – have a pin put in them that quickly, uh, that could be tough, no doubt. So let's just acknowledge it and, and say, yeah, it, that that would be my concern. So And don't lose two games in September to, to keep yourself in the race and keep everybody focused. Yeah. Uh, do we have something we can announce for congruity yet, or do we need to wait on that? Uh, I think we should wait on that. I need to no touch base with Matt Lewis in general. Um, that, needless to say, has continued to go very well. I've had uh, – some rather rather significant opportunities uh, via the Nullcast, and we're really excited to see what goes there. And that partnership is, like we said, two or three weeks ago, it's just turned into what we uh, what we hope, and and what our batting average has been pretty damn good about turning all of our partnerships into, which is a steady stream of uh, of opportunities. And thank you so much to the Nullcast listeners uh, for for supporting people like Legendary Home Loans, uh, Congruity and uh, Madison Social. So congruityhr.com is the website that many of our listeners have gone to and continue to go to. And uh, we thank you so much. And I can promise you, as somebody that's chosen to work with Matt four or five times now, uh, you aren't you are in good hands. Uh, you're in exceptional hands. And uh, it would it'd be a good decision just to have a conversation with him regardless. So. Um, by the way, I bought a ring light. Do, do I look too oranged out here? Or like I, I I know I've been outside a lot. Um, I don't see I don't see any orange. Mr. Okay, all right, but cool. So I'm trying to figure out the right this, balance uh, for because I, I lighting we, and Wi-Fi that I have, but who knows? Uh, we we do uh you know we do the late night cover three stuff in the uh, like I look terrible at the like granted like I'm tired at the end of the day but like still like not I'm not digging. Well, yeah, you guys so. record a podcast at like twelve fifteen. Uh, I was yeah. talking to somebody a couple of days ago about that. I'm like. Yeah, I mean, hanging out with Bud in season's cool, but he's always like, "Yeah, I got to go record a podcast at midnight." Well, it it does keep you in check in terms of like you can't get too loose. Can't get too sideways. No, the first time I did it, actually, they they I don't think we've ever told this story. First time I did it, 
they, they, I think they were messing with me, but they're like, oh yeah, we all, we always have drinks, you know, like ready to go. I was like, all right, cool. Like I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll come kind of like almost like, you know, barstool style and just, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I took it a little bit too literally. Um, yeah. You know, which, which was, uh, got bailed out by really bad hotel Wi-Fi. Um, all right. Speaking of wanting a bailout, uh, since we last talked on realignment, let me see. Florida State did not announce that they were leaving the league. They did not announce they're going to the Big Ten at the meeting. They did, as I think we both speculated they would do, which was use the meeting to try to send messages, maybe grandstand a little bit. Um, multiple. I thought President McCullough kind of walked his statement up to the line. And then he let the trustees take the ball and and run with it across the finish line uh, pretty aggressively. I mean, like, I... yeah, I thought there was going to be conversation geared towards realignment, movement, whatever you want to call it. Um, I didn't think it was going to be that. I was surprised uh, to basically have every, not every, but a significant amount of trustees more or less just freestyle on the uh, on the ACC. Was was quite the thing. Um, I've also gotten a kick out of that. Like people reach out to me, like, dude, have you reached out to your sources? Have you talked to me? I'm like, sources, bro. The president of the college and the whole board of trustees went on YouTube and said, like, what? <laughs> there aren't any sources anymore at this point. Like, it's, uh, who are you going to contact? Uh, they've already been on YouTube. So uh, I don't. I mean, we're all just sitting here watching this thing play out at this point, and. Um, you know, it's it's eight eight as we record, and eight nine as many of you podcast listeners will will get to jump into this. Window is very small if something's going to happen. So uh, I personally think that it. Well, I don't I don't want to say it has to be this week, but I would I would think if you're going to do it, you would do it this week because if your plan is to well, I don't we'll just see, man. I don't I. I you can interpret different things in conference expansion. You can read into it. Most times you read into it wrongly. Um, but the, you know, if, if they're, if they're going to do anything, the, the clock is quickly approaching midnight and we'll see what happens. Also on Sportico, which I hope left Nolcast a five-star rating because we've been talking about, about the, the potential for private equity. What, since I think since you brought it up like last September. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We talked about that. Uh, we, this was an episode that we did uh, where we talked about when you have people like Michael Alfred as your athletic director, and I, I think I might have even mentioned Peter Collins, uh, that non-traditional avenues will be explored. And I think we referenced a particular example, which might have been in play on the football-only facility uh, that I don't ultimately think has come to fruition. Nonetheless, it was a non-traditional avenue explored. It's exactly what we were talking about. And uh, we have kind of hinted at PE and and joked about uh, the Saudi Knolls and everything else uh, over the the past year or so. But this is something that um, that I have heard about and and we've kind of mentioned on the podcast previously. So, yeah, I, look, I I'm not convinced that taking private equity is actually a good idea in a vacuum. Honestly, like, like there's a lot of examples where doing that does not work out for you. However, if you listen to the board comments and, and I don't disagree with them, staying is really not an option. 
if you are trying to play at a national championship type level, right? I mean, that's that's something I agree with as long as the the sport maintains its status quo. The the faster that certain changes come to the sport, it could help you. Also, the faster certain changes come to the sport, it could hurt you. Uh, you know, changes basically like I think eventually, like what what's what's coming next, right? It's probably not that certain teams get kicked out of the SEC or the Big Ten. I think it's more likely that those teams just get left behind as certain programs just leave, right? Like, look look what happened to Washington State and to Oregon State. I mean, if that happens, then it may actually benefit Florida State because maybe they just get the call up to some, some league, which is TBD, not TBE. Uh, TBD, uh, as far as the name right now. Look, I really don't know what's going to happen with this. Private equity to me is potentially possible to work out, but also also serious negative downsides to it. I just think that they are in a spot where like, look, long-term, we're basically dead as a national championship type contender if we don't do something. Uh, I haven't really seen anybody bring up the, the idea of just taking private equity money and continuing to win within the ACC, right? Basically allowing private equity to bridge the gap, but staying in the ACC for uh, whatever period of time might make sense for you. Uh, it's clear they need... I mean, if you talk, check Twitter, we've already got the money and are oh. actively spending it on NIL-related <laughs> So it's, uh, it's rather Dude, you, wait, you uh, got... Did, PI, is, did PIF invest in the battles in now? Yeah, I'm surprised... Oh, Surprised that news hadn't leaked out previously. No, I mean it's look, it, it's an exploration. It's a, it's something that uh, you're seeing more and more in sports. Uh, the original reference that I think uh, when I was talking with somebody about this a year or two years ago was, I think we might even mention this, like Roma's deal with Goldman. Uh, you look at mm-hmm. some of the Sixth Street deal with uh, with um, can't remember if it's just Barcelona and, and Madrid or if it's all La Liga. Regardless, there, there are examples of this in soccer on the other side. And, uh, y'all, we are joking about this Saudi stuff. The, the, so, the Saudi like, doll thing is a... being it's lost a, on some people. Yeah, it's a yeah. humor <laughs> device that allows us to discuss the concept of, of you know, private equity and investment in the school. Like, I thought we made this pretty clear. Like, will Florida State take private equity... If I had to bet on it, I'd say prop. I guess more likely than not, it's in, in some shape or fashion. I'm fairly confident it will not be from the Saudis. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. We had agreement on that. Private equity, think, probably Saudis, probably that, not. Be, <laughs> like, oh man, that's funny. This is this whole thing's been funny. So. Gosh. Um. Uh, yeah. It's just an, an interesting situation. I do think to an extent, uh, I don't know if it's a perfect term, but I feel like you've kind of backed yourself into a corner here when it comes to leaving uh, the conference. You, you've, you've been very aggressive outwardly um, at the very least. I, I'm i not sure what level of conversation you'd be able to participate in this process should you not move in, in later years, you know? Um, but... I could be wrong on that. You know, time time has a way of uh, of clearing people's mind, but I just think that would be a, a tough card to go back to. Um, so we'll we'll see, and it's a it's a fascinating process. So 
All right. Uh, a couple concerns of mine. I think Florida State likely has a good handle on the GOR. Does not mean they have a way out of the GOR that that does doesn't involve paying. In fact, I think the fact like that you are like heavily exploring private equity means that you think the way out of the GOR is probably just paying, right? Just to some level, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't, I don't think that they have like a silver bullet for the GOR. Otherwise, they would have fired it. Would have been fired, hundred yeah. percent. Um, so I do think that the school is in good hands and certainly better hands than it used to be with regards to this kind of stuff. What I'm not sure of is do they have a great feel for the landscape outside a landscape, which is rapidly changing. I mean, cover three did two instant reaction pods on the same day because all the PAC 12 presidents thought that they were going to stay in the PAC 12 on Friday morning. And then 45 minutes later, I guess the Oregon trustee called in from the golf course and was like, mm-hmm. actually, we're dipping peace. Uh, like the, this stuff changes so fast. And I, I, I do question anyone, media, you know, uh, you know, like conference realignment consultant in anybody, like even other conference commissioners, clearly to, to have a handle on the entire landscape. And as things rapidly change, I don't know how that impacts Florida state like that. If I have a worry here, it's that. Did you overplay your hand? Because you, it's hard to go back now, honestly, based on what you said. They're not going to kick you out, but it, it, you know, are you going to be able to operate in this league if you can't get out this year or next? And do you have a really good feel for what's going on elsewhere? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, the the Swaim show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not the, that would not be my source of information for conference realignment. That's what I'll say on that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, anybody, anybody can make their own decisions. Um, yeah. So, where do we go from here, bud? I apologize do we, on that. All right. Uh, do, do we want to speculate transition. as to like why Clemson is just hanging back in the cut and not like making noise about this? Do we expect Clemson to be doing something tomorrow, like or say something tomorrow during, during their, their trustees meeting? I just texted my Clemson guy a second ago. Um, we've got a couple friends up there that are pretty connected. Uh, I doubt it, man. Clemson's. Cl- Clemson's kind of persona has always been, oh, we're, we're just little old Clemson. I, I think they'd be the team that's right behind you. I don't think they'd ever be the team that would be the first mover. Uh, I don't think that despite there's a pretty significant disdain for John Swafford in particular within the Clemson uh, fan base. But, um, yeah, despite not loving the ACC, I don't think that they would go through a public divorce uh, either. So. It's uh, I w- I would be surprised, uh, you know, if, if I hear otherwise, the Nolcast Twitter account could uh, could tweet something out later on, but I I don't think that's what you're, I don't think we're gonna get a shocking pronouncement from Clemson tomorrow, but you know, we'll see if it, if it's gonna happen. It is my opinion that it would happen either this week or perhaps Monday, but you know, at that point you're kind of up against the deadline regardless, so that's. That's not some great window that I've given people to, to look at, but uh, got to happen sooner than later if it's going to happen. So, I, I yeah, like I I think that's 
what my you've point, been consistent on. Yeah. I've been, I've been all over the place tonight. Apologies. Um, I've been surprised a little bit that Clemson hasn't been at least something to that end. Now, Dabo made some comments that maybe you could, uh, you could read further into. I am surprised that there's been no one else in this conference. Uh, that has been there and i was particularly surprised by unc's athletic director uh comments because i mean look it's no secret unc would probably be the third school to leave this i mean unc would be out of here on the first thing smoking uh if they could be i mean i've I've been surprised that there hasn't been any other public comments from the rest of the field uh the rest of the acc uh miami included so i i think that's that's kind of where I am too. It, it, make, it makes me makes me have a slight bit of doubt uh, about the you know the the Big Ten rumors out there, right? It's like, damn, like okay, you know. But long term, I, I I still do think Florida State will will find a way out and will be fine because they have people working on it and trying to be proactive on it now. Like I'm not fretting about this every day. Mm-hmm. That makes me a little bit like. Are we sure they are playing this correctly in the present moment? Um, Chad wants to know, do you think SC is interested in talking with FSU or is the Big Ten the only potential option? I, man, I just think contractually, like, the SEC is essentially ESPN, right? The, these commissioners basically work for the conferences. Uh, or work for the networks. I... I don't think ESPN wants to screw with that. They already have FSU on a very good deal for ESPN. Like what the business mm-hmm. case for them doing that is, is extremely complicated and kind of sketch. I'm not saying there's none, but I, it's basically just playing keep away. Like why did they create the Longhorn network? There's people who will tell you they created ESPN created the Longhorn network because the PAC 12, <clears throat> AKA Fox, basically had Texas and Oklahoma ready to jump along with, with a couple of their schools from that league to the Pac-12. And I forgot who told me that. Um, shoot, I forgot who told me this. Anyway, um, that they basically created the Longhorn Network to play to Texas's vanity without even really thinking it was going to make money just as a way to play keep away from the Pac-12. So the, the Pac-12 would not get Texas. So if you don't think that that networks and conferences try to play keep away, I think you're crazy if that story mm. is true. Uh, at the same time, Florida State is not Texas as a brand, right? And it's not like an expanding market for you within the SEC, but it would be for the Big Ten in Florida. That, there's a lot of factors. I'm not going to tell you one way or another that, that like the SEC is for sure a no on FSU. I, yeah. I think it is, but I don't know it. I want to thank our friends at uh, For the Table Restaurant Group. Charlie Park is Tallahassee's best rooftop bar. Um, and Madison Social is Madison Social, the place that I go to all the time. But want to encourage you that if you come into the LSU game and you do want uh, to participate in Madison Social Tailgate, we will have a link in the description below. Uh, we're thrilled to continue to be able to partner uh, with Matt Lewis and his team. And uh, you're going to have a fantastic setup right there next to the stadium. Uh, again, you can click the link and look at more information about it. But 
uh, professional, I guess, professional restrooms. I don't know if that's the, the right terminology, but uh, trust people that uh, know what they're doing. have done this uh, for years now, and uh, we look forward to seeing a whole lot of y'all out at one of the more anticipated uh, opening games that Florida State's played in, in quite some time. And again, thank uh, For the Table Restaurant Group for making podcasts such as these possible. Uh, also, do want to tell you about August 12th, that is this Saturday, the Tampa Knolls. We will be down there as their VIP speakers at the Tampa Knolls uh, kickoff and block party. Make sure you get your tickets. The link is in the bio. Look, And I put it in there before the show started. So if you guys are watching us right now, and it looks like there's a whole lot of y'all who are, uh, let us know in the chat if you got your VIP tickets. Guys, it has been hot in Florida. Like, Having a nice place to go, little covered area, you know, like is is legit. Open bar, open food, shoot the breeze with us for a while. I think it's gonna be, be a really good time, and uh, and you guys need to check it out. Appreciate Mike Hel- Mike Helquist of the Tampa Knowles Club for reaching out to us and offering us the opportunity there. Uh, a couple more things for me tonight, and I mean we're almost at an hour. Florida State ranked eighth in the coaches poll. Any uh, any thoughts there? That's about where I think Florida State. In my mind, Florida State somewhere between four and eight, and you can make a yeah. uh, a um, reasonable idea. Uh, it's again preposterous or not preposterous. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. Uh, but wow, that that's how quickly Florida State has turned this thing around, or Mike Norvell's turned this thing around, and uh, you know that that is legit. You, I'm not to be redundant, but when you go to a practice. You don't have to be there more than 10 or 15 minutes where you realize you're looking at one of the better teams in the country uh, and not the best team in the country. Uh, but I, th- I think four through eight is is a very honest and, and understandable ranking, in my opinion. Uh, we have not dunked on Miami yet at this, this episode, according to C. Fontan 78, and he thinks that's unacceptable. So I will ask you, did you happen to see where Miami was ranked in the coaches poll? Um, I didn't. I will keep reading. Maybe I'll find them down there somewhere. I'm, I mean, I think to some small extent, you pointing out that uh, Daryl Jackson won't be playing football at Miami uh, is a, that is counts. A, it's a layup, uh, if not a dunk. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, yeah, we'll see, man. I, I, I believe it was. Uh, I believe I watched some content earlier from Josh Payton about how Miami was one of the more unpredictable teams or, or one of the teams that had the greatest low-level variance uh, and completely agree. I mean, it is Miami could be a whole lot of things this year. Uh, it could be a, a dumpster fire of extra proportions. It could be a coaching staff that made some adjustments and and is going to play, you know, at a much higher level than, than people expect. So, um, you know, trust me, I don't think I have to explain to people that I hope that Miami fails in the most amazing way possible. Uh, and then I don't always keep an eye out just uh, to make sure you don't have a random middle T middle Tennessee statement or middle Tennessee state type of event last year. But um, I will watch a whole lot of Miami football this year. I think they're one of the more interesting teams in college football. Let me, uh, let me ask you this. If college football teams had to issue a corrected earnings report, after the season who would have had a bigger corrected statement Miami's football team or life log 
I was going to say, how did you just randomly come up on such a subject matter? Uh, you know, we can all say that we're going to make whatever preposterous figure and then report $3.3 million of earnings or whatever it was, um, you know, Life Wallet. You can do your own Googling and read about how that's been uh, a hilarious, hilarious situation. I'll leave it at that. Um, I did hear Miami's defense looks good in practice. Uh, I've been reading the, the practice reports from Miami 247. Uh, however, Zion Nelson is still not back yet. Safety, so. they turn linebackers needed to be turned to linebacker. And uh, I'll be I'll be interested to see what that looks like. So. I Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Um, we'll do a little bit of opponent preview stuff in the coming weeks as well. Uh, I think I kind of want to focus some more on like the first two thirds of the year because like, I mean, we could, we, we could preview the teams on the very back half of the schedule. Maybe we'll do some, some UF, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see how they look. Apparently they're getting some, some offensive linemen back faster from injury uh, than they had initially predicted. So that's, uh, that's certainly needed there for the Gators. Um, they haven't gotten any new receivers or, or quarterback though, so we'll we'll have to see if that uh, how much that, that matters. I guess, uh, yeah. People asking the defense looks good or is the offense just that bad? Uh, also, equal opportunity podcast for dunking on people, including uh, my employer. So, an article not written by me and certainly does not represent everybody at twenty four seven sports, but we have a diverse set of voices for sure. Uh, and Clint Brewster, who actually think does really good work, uh, he ranked all the quarterbacks in college football. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think the first two in some order probably needs to be the order that is uh, uh, Williams and then May uh, were pretty obvious. But he had Jordan Travis at 13th. And I, I am not like a Jordan Travis is a top three quarterback, Jordan Travis, you know, first round pick type guy. But I, I did kind of think that was low, man, honestly. Um, behind Hartman, Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Daniels from LSU, uh, McCarthy, Howard from Kansas State, Rising from Utah, Leary from Kentucky, Spencer Rattler from South Carolina. But ahead of Joe Milton, Riley Leonard, Carson Beck, Dylan Gabriel, Drew Alar, and uh, Tanner Mordecai of Wisconsin, you know, who was at SMU. And look, I trying to give the full benefit of the doubt here. I understand the Rattler ranking because talent wise, I do think that like the arm is just pretty ridiculous. And I thought he had kind of a joke of an offensive coordinator last year there in South Carolina. And I bet you if Rattler was in Tallahassee, like a lot of the other South Carolina Gamecock players from that team last year were, he'd probably kill it too. But I, I gotta admit, like, and I like Cam Rising as a player, but I, I bet you Utah would take Jordan Travis over Cam Rising. Uh, Will Howard, like, I like the potential, but uh, I mean, if we're if we're going on potential, like, and I, I know Howard's played some, but what about like the potential of of a Carson Beck or 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 Drew Aller? I I think you gotta have Jordan in the top ten, man. You know, like Leary hasn't played. I know reports are, are are good. I think Jordan's a better player than Daniels, honestly. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong about that. Maybe I'll look real dumb in about three weeks. We'll 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 see. McCarthy again, real high potential, but 
know, pretty like pretty different split between his drop back passing and his play action passing. He was number one in play action quarterback rating, 55th in in quarterback rating without without uh, play action. So I don't know, man. I, I Brewster, we got beef, dude. Like like 13th. I, I if you put him 10th, I don't have a problem with that. Honestly, I, I think 10th is 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 totally fair. 13th, I, I do think is too low. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I believe it is. Uh, I think Jordan proved he was, uh, you know, one of the more dynamic pieces of uh, of offensive football players in college football last year. And um, only looks poised to have a, another very, very significant season. So, yeah, 13th is, a, is an interesting ranking. And there were aspects of that list that were, a little odd in general, but uh, interesting to hear your perspective on that. And uh, got a little inner office beef there. So we'll look forward to his response. We do. Uh, that's pretty much all I got for tonight. We're almost at an hour. Let me see here. Appreciate everybody in the chat. Do we miss chat? Do we miss anything? Is there anything we needed to talk about that we really, really need to talk about? Um, let me see. Oh, uh, unfortunately, Donovan Green for Wake Forest, who is a very good receiver for them and a guy they were counting on to to, to really make an impact because they lost A.T. Perry to the NFL. Uh, he's going to be out three to five months with uh, w- with a leg injury. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that like legitimately that sucks. Yeah, it does. So, but that is a tough road game for you. And I bring that up because we – Open the show lamenting about Daryl Jackson, who's not hurt, but you know, obviously with, without the waiver, uh, there are a lot of people out there right now who are are hurting. Um, mm-hmm. For instance, Purdue uh, looks like they their like stud center won't be back for quite a while, and today their backup center was carted off. So, again. Football is a collision sport, not just a contact sport. Injuries do happen. Recovery timelines are not set in stone. Everybody loses players this time of year. You just hope you lose guys. If you have to lose them at spots, you can afford to lose them. Um, real quickly before we sign off, the idea of the ACC adding like SMU, Cal, or Stanford. Or else, uh, oh, do you have I thoughts on this? I mean, look, I'm in. I think SMU's a, a great ad if you're replacing them for when Florida State leaves or something. Like it's not a it's not you're not gonna bring SMU into this conference as is currently. Um I I do believe that there's probably a little bit of uh of potential there for SMU long term. They've got a lot of money, they've got a, a fantastically well established business school that has been cranking out high end graduates for decades and um you know, I think there's something there. I, I maybe wrongly or, or or rightly, I tend to group kind of Baylor, Texas Tech, uh, TCU, a lot of those schools kind of together, and I put SMU in that package. And I'm sure people from Texas would tell me that that's wrong and that there's uh, more layers to that. But you know, if, if that's the case, then you're why not go get Dallas and go get a a school with a rather affluent, like influential and affluent uh, alumni mix. But I, as far as like, will Florida State ever share a conference with TCU? Hell no. No, I mean, that's 
in my opinion, these are moves that are made if Florida State and other schools leave the ACC. I've heard conflicting information, Bud, that if they were to add schools, it would potentially open up the grant of rights. I personally am not sure about that, and I'm pretty skeptical about it. I heard that was um, actually BS. Yeah. Like, if, okay. if you, like, I, I did ask around about that, and I was told no. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I have been skeptical of that. Um, we'll see, man. I, again, I'll just, re- Florida State's not going to share a conference with Stanford, Florida State's not going to share a conference with FMU. It, could those potentially be ads maybe in a in a let's try to clobber something together ACC? Yeah, maybe. But ain't going to be something we talk about on the Nolcast a whole lot. So Right. Uh, I So if you think about this, there's a couple interesting sort of shoots. Um, number one, and I've been in a bit of like a fight with Rutgers fans, although I basically just stopped. I, I tweeted at them some on Friday and, and have not continued this. I don't know if you caught this or not. Uh, but basically, the Big Ten added Rutgers for non-football reasons. They added Rutgers because it allowed them to get the Big Ten network on at the full carriage fee which me, within the New York market because they were able to charge more if they had a team in the market. Kind of the same thing with Maryland, although Maryland is at least like somewhat of a respectable athletic department, whereas Rutgers, I guess they're good in wrestling. I, a buddy of mine wrestled in college and, and told me that, so I didn't know that. Not really. Okay. No. So they I mean, suck they in that, too. On. All right. They're all right, but I mean, Cameron New Jersey's a hot, uh, a hotbed for wrestling, and but they're not they're not great. They just had their, I believe, their first individual national champion a couple of years ago, so not a, not a historic program. So if you think about this, right, and, and this this is something within the ACC's deal, too. They you can't do just get, throw some college wrestling out there, bud, and not expect to respond. I mean, so, hey, like, you know, yeah. I, I I know my co-host was a legit wrestler. So um, there is kind of the thought, I think, and this is probably not enough to matter. But California and Texas are legitimately really big states. So – if you add Stanford and Cal, do you get higher rates per cable box for the ACC network out there, right? Do you increase the number of providers out there who need to provide the ACC network? The same thing in the state of Texas. You don't currently have a, pres- a presence in the state of Texas. It's kind of like the SEC network getting AM was helpful at one time. So, uh, you know, from that standpoint, I, I think it's... Uh, I think it's it's really interesting. Um, probably not enough to matter. Now, the reports tonight, and again, I don't know if these are true, so I probably shouldn't just parrot them, but I will. Was that SMU be willing to, pl- to pl- uh, play in the ACC for, for a zero share? Like, they're willing to just, as long as you let us in, we'll play multiple years without getting a share of conference revenue. Just Which I kind of believe they would do because they just have so much damn money that, yeah. I mean, I think SMU would pretty quickly become a top half team in this league. Like the ability to buy buy coaches and players and retain them with their NIL game is uh, rapidly increasing. So maybe if you're able to get like bigger carriage fees, that makes some sense. It doesn't matter at all to Florida State unless the league is willing to say, "Hey, Stanford and Cal, you get a half share, and SMU." You get a zero share for the for the first three years, and you get a half share for the, the three thereafter. Florida State, 
you know, you get a double share, right? Which again, that also kind of assumes that ESPN would pay like to go from 14 to 16 to 17. I don't know who your 18th would be if you care about even numbers, which if you're not playing divisions, you really don't need to, I guess. Uh, that assumes that they would pay the same amount per team, you know, pro rata increase. So I, I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm very skeptical of all, of all that stuff. <laughs> Extremely skeptical. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I believe that was a good cast, man. I, I thoroughly I, enjoyed, I that. enjoyed that, man. And uh, look forward to getting back here. We'll be a team travels to Jacksonville uh, after practicing tomorrow. And they come back, start scrimmaging. Uh, those would be the, the very interesting things to uh, to attend if people were able to. Uh, We'll see. This is a this is a team that is going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. And uh, next couple of weeks will be uh, fun previewing them. And uh, for, we'll probably be redundant about some of the great leap forward that has taken place at various position groups. Uh, rarely do you ever use that phrase, and it's uh, authentic, but actually, it's happened here. And uh, yeah, man, we made it through the summer. It's about to be a, a hell of a ride. So and. Appreciate all you guys continuing to listen. Uh, the YouTube shows is obviously a whole lot of fun to do as well. Again, if the sound wasn't great tonight, apologies. Uh, I'm in Tallahassee in a hotel room using hotel Wi-Fi and not uh, not great equipment either, which is my fault. But we'll be back. Bud, enjoyed it as always. Ask people like, subscribe, share, etc. And uh, look forward to seeing our Tampa listeners, uh, or I guess just everybody in the I-4 corridor in general at the uh, event on Saturday. So, yes, sir. See you guys there. Link in the bio.